Let's pray before we get started. Father, I just say thank you for this opportunity, and I thank you, Lord God, for blessing me with the relationship that I have, Lord God, with 903 Church and Pastor Russell and Kenzie. And, and again, we just continue to pray you wrap them in your love and your grace. Return them safely uh, to their flock, their church family. And God, and we just thank you for everyone that's here. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that, um, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, they will, they will be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And so, God, let, 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 let your word go forth. And may hearts be prepared to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I, um, last week was in Washington, D.C., as some of you may know. I have been invited there to um, do some teaching, present, presenting at a pro-life activist training camp. Um, and we just happened to be there, was at the announcement, praise God. Amen. Praise God that Roe v. Wade was overturned. And, uh, and, and it is a time for the church to celebrate because by the grace of God, the first hurdle to stop the slaughter of innocent children has been stopped. And it is monumental. It is monumental. While I was there, and we're in a time of celebration, in a time of jubilation, as we were there at the Supreme Court, you know, and the oppor opportunities to celebrate with our state senator, Brian Hughes, um, and other people from Texas and throughout the country. Um, Crowds begin to assemble. And uh, pro-abortionists begin to come and to protest and to verbally assault us. And in the midst of it all, I felt an anger and a frustration. And I remember in one situation, this young black lady, early 20s, was yelling and screaming at members of my team. And in the midst of my anger, I saw her arm. Because she's yelling and, and she's pointing and, and I saw her arm. And on her arm, all the way down, were cuts deep, lacerations, the entire length of her arm. And in that moment, I saw her pain. 
I saw her woundedness. I saw that the rage and the anger was coming out of, much of it was coming out of her, that she was broken and wounded. But what disturbed me more than anything was my lack of compassion. That was the deeper issue for me. And as we concluded the week, and I, and I um, boarded the plane to come back to Texas, and to ask God, God, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? God, I've been saved for over 30 years, and, 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 and I have been preaching the gospel, and I've been trying to live for you, and where is my com- true compassion for the lost? For this girl's brokenness and, and all the others that were there that, re- that she even represented. And the Lord spoke to me. You have forgotten from whence you have come. You have forgotten from whence you have come. And he took me back to the scriptures. Romans 6. Verse 20 says, when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things which you are now ashamed? For the end of these things is death. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, You have your fruit in holiness and the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And the Lord helped me to see is that you have allowed yourself to slip back into the matrix. Can we play the video at this time? <laughs> what it is. The matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now in this very room. You can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? 
that you are a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, born into a prison. Yeah, and uh, don't go back to the PowerPoint. Don't go back to the PowerPoint. The Lord is leading me away from the PowerPoint. Um, thank you. I was a slave. You were a slave. See, because to understand the, 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 the context, even of the movie of The Matrix, if you have not seen it, right, it is, the, it is a technological world that's been actually ran by machines, and they are actually in these huge towers being used, human beings are, as batteries for the machines. But the machines have created this false world. That they are putting in their minds to actually make them think that they're living in a reality. And they're not. And so Morpheus is now trying to explain this to Neo. And that you understand that this, this is the, the world that's been pulled over your eyes. It's not the true world. And so we have to understand that, 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 that we have been slaves and we have been set free. Because if we have come into the light of God, then the Holy Spirit has revealed to us that we have been slaves. Right. If you are saved, the Holy Spirit revealed to you, OK, that you were in bondage to sin, as the Bible says right here. OK, we were slaves of sin. And how long did it take for us to come to realize that? Right. Just living life, living life and thinking this is this is all there is. And I lived my life for 25 years, but I have the same. I, I knew something was wrong. I knew something was wrong with me. And finally, when I understood what was wrong with me, I started crying out to God, Lord, because that was sin I was still holding on to, and I didn't want to relinquish. But God finally brought me to the point of deep conviction and contrition because I, I saw and I felt and I could smell the stench of my sin. I was an adulterer. I was filled with depression and, and suicide. I was miserable. I was a 25-year-old bedwetter. I was so deeply corrupt, but I put on the mask. But gee, by the grace of God, he started allowing me to smell my spiritual death. My decaying soul. The maggots that were, that were festering in my decaying soul. I smelled the stench. To the point that it drove me to a place of repentance. Sick of it. Sick of it. And not until did I, I 
experienced that point could I surrender when I saw the reality. And I want you to see a visual of this happening to a young man. If we can play this next video, this is Ray Comfort. And a young man named Mario. Now, Jesus said, if you look at a woman and lust for her, you commit adultery with her in your heart. Have you ever looked at a woman with lust? Yes, I'm a man. <laughs> have you had sex before marriage? Yes, I'm a man. So, Mario, I'm not judging you. You judge yourself. But you've told me you're a lying, thieving, blasphemous, fornicating, adulterer at heart, and you have to face God on Judgment Day. If he judges you by the Ten Commandments, I've looked at four, you're going to be innocent or guilty? Guilty. Heaven or hell? Hell. Now, does that concern you? Deep down, yeah. And it horrifies me. We've just met. I love you. I care about you. The thought of you going to hell just breaks my heart. Do you know what death actually is? According to the Bible? Ultimate enlightenment. Well, no, it's wages. It says the wages of sin is death. God's given you death as wages for your sin. He's paying you in death. He's given you capital punishment. Like a judge looks at a heinous criminal who's raped three girls and then murdered them, he says, you've earned the death sentence. This is your wages. This is what's due to you. And sin is so serious to God, Mario, that he's given you capital punishment. Lying, thieving, blasphemous, fornicating, adulterer at heart. Now tell me, what did God do for guilty sinners so we wouldn't have to go to hell? Do you remember? <clears throat> he came up with the idea that depending on what you do here, you're either good or bad, and that's it. You just got to stick to that and have the faith in that. And then no, you... that's not what he did. Jesus suffered and died on the cross for the sin of the world. The Ten Commandments are called the moral law. You and I broke the law. Jesus paid the fine. That's what happened on that cross. Mario, if you're in court and someone pays your fine, a judge can let you go. Did you know that? You can say, Mario, there's a stack of speeding fines here. This is deadly serious. But someone's paid him, you're free to go. And he can do that which is legal and right and just. And God loves you so much, he became a human being, suffered and died on the cross to take the punishment for the sin of the world. That means you don't have to end up in hell. God can legally forgive your sins because he's the lover of your soul. And then Jesus rose from the dead and defeated death. Mario, if you give up the battle and just say, God, I'm a rebel, and you repent and trust in Christ, God will forgive every sin you've ever committed and grant you everlasting life as a free gift. Do you believe what I'm saying? Yes. And it's the gospel truth. I wouldn't lie to you. Are you ready to repent and trust in Christ? Yes. Can I pray with you? <laughs> sure. Father, I pray for Mario. Thank we met today. Thank you we met today. I pray today he'll truly repent and trust in Jesus and have his sins forgiven in a second and pass from death to life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do you have a Bible at home? No. I'm, I'm going to give you some literature. Now, do you know why you're, you're weeping? Any idea? Because I've sinned as a man. Okay. That's called contrition. And the Bible says godly sorrow, being sorry for your sins, works repentance. So I trust today that God's brought conviction of sin to you and that you know you've sinned against God. And you'll understand that God can forgive you and grant you everlasting life as a free gift. I've got some literature for you. Okay, Mario, thank you for talking to me. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you interviewing me. I do. So you see Mario. 
he could articulate. He says, why? He says, do you know why you're weeping? Because I've sinned. This young man who was very arrogant, and, and if you want to see the whole video, go see it. You can find it on YouTube. I just, I, 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 I trimmed it. But, but he was very arrogant and prideful at the beginning. But as he started, was Ray Comfort started confronting him with his sin. And he acknowledged it. He acknowledged, he didn't try to defend it. He came into agreement. But you saw when he hit him with the truth of Jesus's sacrifice. That's when he broke. Because even in his sin, he had no hope until he heard that Jesus died for his sin. And here's the question to you. Have you, have you, have you truly repented? Have you operated in godly sorrow in response to your, the stench of your sin? Have you, have you come in your brokenness and saying, God, I'm done. I'm done. I'm a slave to sin, Jesus, and I need you. I need you to, to set me free to pay the penalty for my sin because I can't save it because the Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. Have you? Or have you just been in church? Have you just been showing up and being part of the social club? See, I can't answer that question for you. That's something you've got to answer for yourself in your own heart. Because one of the struggles for so many people is that they think, I'm a, I'm a good person. I'm, and, 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 and it's always relative where we're comparing ourselves to others. Well, I don't do this and I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't whatever. And, but we've all sinned, again, in the book of Romans 3.23, the Bible says that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Right? Everyone. And we have to be willing to acknowledge that. And we have to be willing to say, Jesus... I need your salvation. I need you to rescue me. I need a godly sorrow. Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 7. Godly sorrow that leads to repentance. But the Lord reminded me. When I have crying out to him, he said, yeah, you experienced that. But something has happened. Over time. And the Holy Spirit reminded me of an accounting term, which is many of you may be familiar with. It's called depreciation. Okay, depreciation is the idea, the term in which we have assets, valuable assets, in, 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 particularly in businesses that over time, in accords to usage, wear and tear, that it is devalued. And the Lord spoke to me. He says, that what is, is what has happened to you. Over time, you have allowed the devaluation of your salvation. You have allowed the devaluation of your salvation. That's why we don't get excited 
That's why we're not you know, screaming for joy and because we have lost sight by in worship and these songs that we've been singing. And brother, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the music this morning. Oh, my gosh. Because just the freshness of seeing what Jesus has done for me. Because I had devalued, I had depreciated it. And what are some things that causes us to depreciate our salvation? One of which is distractions. Life's distractions. You see, one of the things about distractions are that they're not necessarily bad. Evil. Right? Sometimes it's just the busyness of life, right? We, we can begin to consume ourselves with whatever things that we, you know, life working, pursuing our careers, right? Trying to raise a family. These are good things, good things. But we can, we can place an unhealthy focus and over time focus on these things that we lose sight. And we can become distracted from what Jesus has done. Relationships, we can allow to become distractions. Hobbies, we can allow to become distractions. Our phones, it's a huge distraction. And next is discouragement, disappointment, right? And, and because what happens is too many times we place expectations because that's where discouragement and disappointment comes from when we come with these expectations that we put on individuals and on God we expect God to do some things that God has never promised right there are practical experiential things going on in our lives that we cannot claim in scripture right and so we try to because we, they, they represent our happiness, our joy. We have these expectations. And then if they don't, they're not fulfilled, then we become discouraged. We become disappointed. And gradually we begin to devalue. We begin to depreciate our faith and the salvation that he has given us. And lastly, it's the devil in sin. Right? Because we can easily slip into what Bonhoeffer calls cheap grace. Right? A kind of cheap grace where I'm saved, God got me, you know, and, and um, and I can go dip my toe in it, come back, God's going to forgive me, I'm going to repent. And I'm going to dip my toe in it later on. Delving in sin. Will erode, will begin to depreciate. Salvation. And I'm going to hit this a lick. Men. And now, according to research, over a third of women Pornography is a huge issue. Huge issue in the church. And I can say that because 
It was my issue. I won't say what well, is, 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 is. That's why I have an app called Ever Accountable. Okay? And, and, and if you're not doing something, okay, you're delving. I mean, in that, you may, you may, you're sitting here listening to me right now, and some of you have the issue of, of pornography. You have the issue of pornography, and it is totally eroding, destroying your confidence in Christ, the, 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 your, your, your happiness, your joy, your joy, not happiness, but your joy in your relationship with him. And you think, well, uh, you know, I don't do it that often. Right? You're making all these excuses. But until I dealt with it, it totally, I didn't want to talk to anybody about, you know, talking about sharing the gospel, none of that. Because I was delving in it, and it was totally destroying my passion to share the gospel. And I'm being honest and transparent. I have four accountability partners. Four. They keep me in check with this. And if you don't have one, you need to. If you don't have an app on your phone, you need to do it. Because you can shake and fake and wear the mask all day long. I've done it. But you will never walk in the fullness of what God has for you if you continue to delve in sin. Period. Period. And you will never be the leader in your home. You will never be the spiritual leader that God has called you to be. You won't. And you will never be the spiritual leader in God's kingdom. If you continue to delve in it. That's a side note. But I get it. I understand. Again, the distractions, the disappointments, the discouragement, and the delving of sin can cause the depreciation of what God has done. But when we recognize it and we repent of it, right, then we see and come back to the truth what God has done in our lives and we realize, right, that he has given us. He says, but you now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit in holiness and the end everlasting life. And so when we understand that we can't, in 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 a true sense, there is no depreciation because it is life everlasting. And everlasting life is, is everlasting year after year after year. Everlasting life is, is consistent all the way through. And Jesus is firing us when we focus on him and we're connected with him in his holiness and his righteousness. His joy will rise up in us. And even as, as David talks about, as he dealt with his own sin in Psalms um, excuse me, Psalms 151, or 51, excuse me. As we turn and look at this, what David says in Psalm 51, hallelujah, praise Jesus. Right? And he says, restore to me. David has been, again, he's been convicted by the prophet Nathaniel. 
He has had Uriah killed, right? He has married Bathsheba. And he got, uh, uh, impregnated her with the baby that actually died. Okay, and he is convicted. He is re- um, of his sin. He has repented. And this is the sum of repentance. And he says in verse 12, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And that's what my prayer has been. God, restore to me the joy. The joy. Because when he restores the joy, okay, I'm going I'm to shout. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise my hand in praise and, and I'm going to glorify him. And I don't, care who can, I don't care who's around because the joy that he's placed in me, because I remember where I was. I remember, I remember in 1990 in Houston, Texas, how depressed and suicidal and messed up I was. I remember the day he saved me. And I remember how his, his spirit just blew. I felt the spirit. I felt it blowing down through my soul then I knew I was saved I knew I was changed and I watched him rise up in me and to give me the strength to step away from friendships and relationships and women that I didn't have the strength to step out of before when I was bound in sin that I was bound in sin and, and he set me free and he gave me the power to walk in his holiness and his righteousness he did it and I felt his power I saw it and so he reminded me of that right and 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 in there was well caused this wellspring of joy. And I watched him transform me. See, I know, I know what he's done for me. Nobody can shake, you can't shake me from that. You can't shake me. You can't shake me. Because his joy, I know what he's done. This is what David says. He says, uphold me with your generous spirit. He says, then I will teach transgressors your ways. See, that's the outpouring. See, the outpouring of God's joy will lead us to reach for the lost. See, if you're not reaching out for the lost, chances are you're not experiencing the fullness of his joy. Because his joy is an outpouring. His joy is, and, and the desire to reach the lost is an outpouring of his joy. He says, Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted unto you. Who are you reaching? Who are you sharing the gospel with? Who are you leading to Jesus? Because when you get this joy and you get this life and you know what it is to go from death to life and you understand the fullness of where you were, right? Remember from where you came from and where you are now, what Jesus has done, and you know it's all him, 100% Jesus, then you want to have a heart and a passion to go rescue others who are in the same death and destruction and stench of filth of death of sin that you were in. And that understanding of that compels us to go to pray for the lost, to love the lost. Amen. And thank God, brother, for your co-worker and your heart, your heart for him and his family. See, that's what we should be about. That's what we should be about. And I'm asking God, break my heart. Give me 
a deeper passion, a deeper burden to love the unlovely. To go out and to serve and to love those in, that are in darkness, to be able to share the gospel. Because it's the heart of God. It's the heart of God. Let's not forget from whence we've come. Let's be reminded of the song. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, seeking to rise no more. But the master, <laughs> but the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters, he lifted me. Now safe am I. His love lifted me. His love lifted me. When nothing else, when nothing else would help, his love lifted me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your love lifted us. Father, we thank you for saving us when nothing else would help. When friends, family, our own desire and intent to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps wouldn't help. Your love lifted us. And so, God, we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us, Lord God, if we have in our own hearts and minds depreciated the salvation, the goodness that you brought to us, the transformative presence of your Holy Spirit in us. God, would we repent? And God, would you allow us, Lord God, to afresh and anew fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. God, we pray. Renewing us a passion and a joy for you. And even as David declared, Lord God, that then we will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted unto you. So God, thank you for saving us. Thank you for filling us with your spirit. Thank you, Lord, and may your joy overflow into all those that are around us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.